Episode 371, Rob Cool, mastering the emerging world of connectivity. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, live limitless. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one men's development podcast that is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tows and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon in every country. It has been my mission to bring you the best, but also bring you the reality, the trials, the triumphs, the struggles, the tactics that people use to get out of the tight spots, but also they use, that they continue to use to then go on to thrive. So please jump in, subscribe, review across all and any format that you consume this. As a coach, keynote speaker, and implementer, let me know how I can best support you. I'm here for you. I've got your back. Get to the podcast. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. Do you want to do your TEDx talk? If you have any interest in that, go across to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk. X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. There it has all the information on how and why you might do that and the best way to use it. And also scheduling on the green button, your idea clarity call, and we can talk through your potential ideas and send you in the right direction. Get to the podcast. This week, we're talking about the bottom-up revolution. If you're wondering what that is, it's all about mastering the emerging world of connectivity. We've got Rob Cole on the line. He's an award-winning journalist, inventor, software architect, connector, and visionary. We've just been talking that his introduction for going for a while because he's done a lot of cool things. I want to jump straight into it. So, Rob, are you ready to awaken your alpha today? I'm wide awake. <laughs> awesome. That was a very brief intro I did for you. Is there anything you'd like to add or highlight about you and what you're all about at the moment? Well, the um, main thing is I got a new book out, The Bottom-Up Revolution, Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. and uh, I do a radio show, The Bottom Up Show, and I publish opednews.com, a major progressive news and opinion site. How did you get to that point in terms of what are your origins? Where are you originally from and where are you speaking to us from today? I'm, I'm, I grew up in Philly. I'm in the Philly suburbs now. Yeah, I've been here most of the time. I've, all this, most of the stuff I'm doing when I grew up, I had no idea I, I was going to do or that it even existed. I mean, uh, it, the technology has changed so much. Our world has changed so much. And I think that that's probably the case for most people that when they're kids, they, they, they can't even imagine what they're going to do because everything is changing so fast. And uh, you know, one of the reasons I got into this book is because I discovered that when I started tapping the power of bottom up, it really changed things for my business and how successful it was. Probably not a, a single moment. There might have been a few, but is there any kind of almost like an awakening moment where you thought, at least in recent time, you thought this is, you know, this book needs to be written or this is where I really want to dedicate myself to this arena, this area? Yeah. Uh, I started my website, opednews.com, as a personal blog. And I started inviting other people to participate in it. And that's a bottom-up thing right there, just bringing in people and creating a community. Uh, and it started to really take off and grow so much that I, I pretty much decided I was going to stop the business that I had been doing for like 30-some years. Well, what business and was that? I had a business making products, software, and conferences related to biofeedback and neurofeedback. And it, it had served me pretty well. 
the website really took off. And I, one of the reasons I got into biofeedback was it was a way to wake people up, to empower them, to give them a greater self-awareness and ability to take control of their lives. Yeah. And what I found with the website was that it could do it on a bigger scale. Mm -hmm. uh, with biofeedback, you do it one person at a time. You hook them up to technology and you help them to learn how to have greater control of their physiology. And what I and 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 I, and I kind of saw myself as an awakener uh, okay. doing that, and then as running a, a blog that was a, an activist pro progressive blog, uh, supporting whistleblowers and and just social justice and ecological justice and things like that. Yeah. And what happened that really woke me up was, I I did some stupid things. I said some dumb things that uh, offended some people, and and people were kind to me and said, hey, watch what you're doing. And uh, that got me thinking, well, maybe I should ask people before I do some of the things that I do. And maybe I should get the, my readers and my writers and my editors involved in making the decisions that were making policy for the site. Yeah. And, you know, we were at a point where we were seeing 600, 1,000 articles coming in a m every week. Wow. Yeah. And it was, uh, no, I'm sorry, every month. Every I month. Guess still, yeah. 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 And we published over 100,000 articles over the years. And um, I, it, it just took off. Yeah. The, and the more that I got other people involved and trusted other people to participate and invited them in, the better it did. And I thought to myself, well, this is really bottom-up stuff. I need to learn more about it. So I, I started a radio show, bottom-up radio show, and I started interviewing people. And I got some really, I got pretty lucky in the beginning, and I got a chance to interview uh, Jack Dorsey of Twitter and Arianna Huffington, Craig Newmark from Craigslist, and uh, uh, Mike Metavoy, a multiple award, Oscar award-winning producer. And... Uh, it really gave me a big perspective on bottom up and it really changed my way of thinking about it. Cause you know, most people, what I've learned is most people don't have a clue what bottom up is. I mean, you, you touched on it a little bit there and I, I want to dig into that, but also I was curious when you said you, your business sort of 30 plus years, it sounds like obviously this emerged as a, clearly something, the direction you were going to go, but how was that decision to, you know, cut your ties and leave a business that you'd built up? And like you said, was, you know, successful. Was that a tough decision or did you struggle with that? Or was that quite instant? It's a, it's a good question. Uh, the, the business had evolved over the years. It started off, I invented something that took off and which I ended up selling about a half a million of. Uh, I, it, it, it morphed so that I started making audio tapes and hypnosis tapes and stress management tapes. My best selling one, I sold over 25,000 of. And then I shifted into developing software. Uh, and this goes back. I mean, I was using computers pretty early on. And then I shifted into running seminars and workshops ab about how to use the software. Yeah. And uh, I did the seminars and workshops for about 15 years. I did one on neurofeedback, brain biofeedback and consciousness, another one on positive psychology and peak performance, which was the first one, first positive psychology conference ever held. But after 15 years, it got tired. Yeah. Around 2004, I started working with a coder to, to build my own content management system for my websites. Yeah. So I was having a lot of fun. And so 
I was, it was really fun. It was really taking off. Uh, when I did, finally did the shift, uh, I, I, I was hitting a peak in my, my traffic of, of over 800,000 unique visitors a month and making good money with ads and revenues and what have you. And uh, it yeah. was a really easy decision to make. Perfect. Talk to us about the foundations or some of the key points around mastering the connectivity and the bottom-up revolution, what you talk about in your book. I know it's, it's hard to fit into a short show, but can you tell us some of the, sure. the concepts? Sure. Like you say, a lot of people don't understand it. Yeah, well, what, what I, they don't understand, you know, what most people when they think about bottom-up, they think about grassroots, they think about wisdom of the crowd, crowdfunding, crowdsourcing, or comments on Amazon or, or Yelp. But bottom up is a much bigger thing. What I learned in doing hundreds and hundreds of interviews is that humans evolved to be bottom up people. That before there was civilization, for most of the 7 million years that humans and their predecessors existed, they existed in small hunter gatherer bands, not even tribes, bands, 30 to 80 people. And, and they had to survive. And part of the process of, of develop, evolving into beings that could survive was they became very bottom up. They had to be what I call have connection consciousness. They had a, when they looked at any behavior that they were going to engage in, they had to think about how it was going to affect the whole band, how it was going to affect all the people around them, and how it was going to affect nature because their environment was what they depended upon to live in. They were hunters and gatherers. And so, over time, humans evolved literally hundreds of different genes that helped them to do that, that helped them to have empathy, to help them to care about other people, and to pay attention to, to, to what was going on around them. And this is something that kind of got repressed when civilization came along. Civilization meant domestication of animals, farming, which is domestication of land, and it led uh, to the need for police, for soldiers, and the creation of hierarchy and centralization. Yeah. And, and in the process of all that, people's connection to themselves, to that bottom-up aspect of their nature, was repressed. Now, that's changed. In the last 20 years, there's been a bottom-up revolution, and that's because of smartphones and the web that has catalyzed a return to people being more bottom up. Uh, there is a huge difference between somebody who was born after 1980 and somebody born before. N that difference is people born after 1980, they've been marinated and immersed in these technologies that, that are basically connection technologies. And it's changed the way their brains work. And I've talked to many neuroscientists who all agree that that's the case. They have a different way of seeing the world. They have a different way of processing relationships. And if you have a business, you need to understand that. You need to recognize that that is happening, not even just to people born after 1980, but all people. Now, there, there are different challenges if, if you were born like me, if you're born before 1980. And those have to be understood. And if you don't understand them, you're in trouble. Yeah. If you can understand them and you can really grasp even a piece of it, you can become a billionaire. I mean, that's, yeah. if you look at Google, Google 
you know, at one point I decided that we had shifted from an information economy and era to a connection economy and era. And that was when Facebook passed Google in terms of users. Uh, but even Google, you know, its original algorithm was based on the idea that you put the number one search result at the top because it has the most other websites connecting to it and referring to it. So that's connection as well. Yeah. And but there are so many ways to, that you need to understand connection. And, and what's kind of ironic is with this web and smartphone era that we're in, there's a lot of problems with disconnection as well. So people have to really fine tune and polish and develop their connection skills. Is there any key ways or maybe mistakes people make in the business sense? And then maybe we could talk about the personal sense when it comes to connectivity. I think one of the big things that people make a mistake with in business is they, they try to close the deal too soon. You know, when it comes to connectivity, people today want to trust. They want to have a relationship. And the new way of doing business is inbound marketing. Inbound marketing basically means that you make an initial connection. Somebody finds you. Somebody is on a buyer's journey. And they find you. And they're not, if you just go to them and go, hi, you found me, buy this now. <laughs> uh, you're, you're an ass. <laughs> and, and, and they're going to just go away. I mean, because that's old way of thinking. Uh, what they want to do is find you and uh, maybe in exchange for you giving them some information, they'll give you an email. And that's the start of a relationship. And and that's an old-fashioned kind of an idea, building a relationship. But that's really what it's about. The new technology is old relationships, is, is connecting and getting people to learn to, to learn from you, to mm. find you as a valued source of information, as a trusted source of information. And, and you do that with technology. You do that with autoresponders and, and with a series of messages so that you help them along their buyer's journey to find the information they need. And so when they are ready to make a purchase, they're going to think of you because you're the one who they trust old idea, new technologies. Uh, and the other side of it is management too. If you've got a business, you want to trust people and you want to include them and, and find all the value that you can in them. This is a bottom-up way of, of approaching employees and it's more and more becoming the way that things are done. Um, you know, another aspect of, of bottom-up is power. The the nature of power has shifted massively. Uh, I interviewed uh, Joseph Nye. He wrote, he literally wrote the book on soft power and another book on the future of power. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing because what's happened is it used to be that for you to have power, you had to be a nation. You had to have weapons. You had to have, or you had to be a billionaire or an ultra wealthy person with a lot of money. And that's changed. Now there are two kinds of power. There's hard power, which is weapons and, money and, and using that. And then the other way is soft power, which is about attraction. That's creating music and stories and or building bridges and, and schools. And uh, what the U.S. found in Iraq was that all the weapons they had didn't do the job. 
But when General Petraeus started building bridges and schools, he started winning. Yeah. And that's a really cool thing because you can be kind. You can have compassion and empathy. And this I consider to be a bottom-up power. Uh, one other important aspect of that is our stories. Now, in your book, you talk about the hero and the hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that understanding the hero's journey is a very valuable, almost essential aspect of how you change, how you wake up, and, and how you become an alpha, really. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the hero's journey was described uh, earlier in, on as the monomyth, and then by Joseph Campbell as the hero's journey. It's, it's, it's a myth that almost every culture has about how somebody really becomes a new person. And you can wake up to your potential and your possibility, and you make that decision. You asked me, what was it that I finally led me to make my decision? And that's like crossing the threshold. Yeah. And when you cross the threshold, and you make a commitment to become a new person. And when you do that, it's like being reborn. And what is fascinating to me about the hero's journey, the way, and the hero's journey is, is used in almost, I would say, 99% of, of movies, certainly the yeah. successful <laughs> ones. I mean, at one point, Hollywood would put into their screenwriter contracts must have hero's journey pattern, <laughs> character arc. Yeah. Uh, but the thing with the hero's journey, the way you become a hero is to develop new resources, skills, and allies. And you do that by connecting with other people. That is the most important part in becoming a hero, yeah. is finding new people reinvigorating relationships that you had in new ways and developing new skills. These are all totally bottom up. The way to, uh, to become a hero is a totally bottom up journey. Now, another thing is, you know, when you start looking at the world with bottom up eyes, it changes the way you see things. Empathy is a big deal. You know, one of the, in, in my work with positive psychology, I, I got into it because I, I, I got fascinated with the idea of the heartwarming experience. You know, when you get that kind of glow inside yeah, of you, yeah. only about half the population has it. Only about half the population gets the chill up the back of the neck, the frisson, when, when they hear about a touching story or something like that. Positive experiences are the basic building blocks for our ability to be happy, to cope with adversity, and to face challenges. I mean, yeah. and, and awakening your alpha is all about facing challenges and, and going out there with courage and guts and doing good stuff. Yeah. And, and so if, if you agree with that, that positive experiences are the basic building blocks for that, and I've told this to over a thousand psychologists and psychiatrists, and I've never had anybody disagree with me, then the thing to do is to have skills for having more, better, deeper, stronger, positive experiences. Yeah, so you, the, I was going to say, so the, the half the population that haven't really experienced that and they may be listening to this, what, what, have you got any advice for specifically getting, getting more of that or at least ex, beginning to experience that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, what I put together was a kind of the, an anatomy of positive experience. It, I, I break it down into different parts. You want to be prepared 
And you do that by being healthy, by being vibrant and having lots of energy. You do it by anticipating. Anticipation is a big part of pleasure. You know, it's great to do things on the spur of the moment, but if you can plan them ahead, you can have even more fun with it. And, and then you want to plan to have unexpected positive experiences. Uh, I, I, every year, there's going to be a time where I'm going to see goslings toddling along somewhere on a road, on a parking lot. Uh, just happened a couple weeks ago this year. You know, little, little baby geese. And I, I think they're really cute. And it's just fun to watch them. And yeah. I give myself permission. I, I kind of tell myself that there are going to be times when I'm on the way somewhere and I'm just going to give myself 30 seconds or a minute to stop what I'm doing, break out of my schedule, and just have permission to have a positive experience. Because so many people are so locked in that they, they don't do that. And so if you, if you have a pre-planned thought in your head, I'm going to give myself permission. And this is one of those moments. Yeah. It's almost like, yeah, oh, I'm allowed to do that. Because a lot of people, like you say, they're just so busy at what they're doing. They literally think, oh, I cannot spare 30 seconds or a minute. When in reality, they can. But it's just That's not on right. their priorities list. And it, you know, the, the potential benefits are huge from that kind of the payoff for like a minute or two. Absolutely. And, and, and it's, I believe that this library or collection of positive experiences that you have in your life is the most valuable thing you have. I mean, what do you work hard to do to have time with your loved ones? You know, we rescheduled this interview so that you could have more time with your kids. And I thought, wow, great dad, really happy to do it. Awesome. I appreciate it. <laughs> no, it was a pleasure really. And, uh, you know, we, so, but the, there's a challenge though. You see, a lot of positive experiences have endorphins mediating them, the, the natural opiates that our body produces. And that's part of what gives us the glow, the, mm -hmm. that, that, that feeling in the heart. The thing is, endorphins were evolved to help deal with pain. That's, endorphins are the reason people can be heroes on a battlefield. Even when they're injured, they can still persist. And endorphins in the brain block the consolidation of memory. So you can have a great experience, but you're not necessarily going to remember it easily. So one, one thing you can do is write down your positive experiences. Uh, I, when, when my kids were younger, I would write down their experiences too. Mm. And I think that's another thing you can do. So you want to you be prepared for a positive experience. You want to anticipate and plan for it. Another thing you can do is know things about your environment. You're going to go on a vacation, research the area so you can know what to expect, what kind of positive experiences you can expect to have there and make there and the nature and what have you that you can yeah. see. Then learn how to recognize positive experiences and the opportunities for them. I mean, so many people have an opportunity for a positive experience and they're so narrow focused that they just ignore it and it just passes them by. So yeah. open yourself up to them and kind of audition them, you know, and give them a chance. Yeah. And, and keep, op keep your mind open and pay attention and look around you. Uh, you know, there's a top-down brain and there's a bottom-up brain. The top-down brain is all about the filters that we've created in our minds. That's 98% of our brain. The bottom-up 
brain is the 2% that brings in raw information. Well, if we filter too much, then we become like obsessive compulsive. Uh, yeah. And you don't see anything. If you, if you don't filter enough, you become kind of ADD. Yeah. So you, have to have a, you have to have the right balance. But part of that is being able to be open enough to see around you that there are possibilities and opportunities. So yeah, I, I, I was going to say, I love the, the, the phrase you said about audition, like be able to audition experiences. And, and when you said about like wrote, writing them down and, and, you know, your kids experience and stuff, and it just made me think of, you know, a lot of people do with the, the first year or two or three baby books. And then they look back and, you know, it brings back a positive experience and you remember it because you'd completely forgotten it, to be honestly. But it's only because you documented simple things at the time. And included a lot, of, we stop. A lot of times we don't have like a, a kid book where you're writing down things they're doing as they're going through that phase. It kind of like stops a lot of times at the baby book. So I think it's really, you know, effective and, you know, some great points. There are some cultures that, that discourage expression of emotion. Uh, Japan is one, and I think that's changing, but it used to be that they, they were supposed to keep a straight face all the time. And they, they, they did some research and they did some autopsies and they found that like 5% of the population, their smile muscles had atrophied. Whoa. That's tragic. <laughs> There's been research done on it. And people who are depressed have weaker smile muscles people, mm. and they have stronger frown muscles. You know, the ones that... Yeah. You know, <laughs> sometimes you're frowning and you don't even realize it. Sometimes it's like, I've had that both ways where some you know, you're frowning. It's like sometimes people's resting face. I, the term some people, I don't know what it is for men, but sometimes you have that, that, that resting bitch face or the other way around where someone's just like, they're normal. They're not upset or happy, but their face looks really like they've developed yeah. their frown muscles. So this is their resting face. It's just like, Ur. that can make a difference in a fraction of a second to how you have an experience with something. By intensifying your smile and experience, then that can bounce off because you're radiating it as well and it can bounce back from others in the environment. I, I gave a, a, a workshop at Campbell's Soup Company years ago and one of the executives, when I was talking about the smiling, talked about how she, was a, she tried to be a smile vampire. She would walk, the, hall, yeah. <laughs> walk the halls of the company and she would smile at people to try to get them to smile back. <laughs> yeah. And I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, just, and, and so you can do that and just go out into the world and be someone who's positive and smile and evoke smiles in other people, you know. Me and Rob met, um, we were both on sort of on a media panel at the National Publicity Summit in New York. And so we've, we've been in the same room, which helps, yes. <laughs> helps connect. Yeah, we've had a little chat. So yeah, yes. definitely. It's, it's, you're right. Digital, it's, you know, it's great some of the things you can do, but that, that being in the same room and what you've just talked is, is, is huge. Yeah. It really makes a difference. Well, the time has absolutely flown. So I'm going to start to wrap this up with a short little alpha round. And I want to start that off with, is there a, a quote that maybe an all-time favorite quote of yours or just a kind of a, how you like to approach your life, something that really resonates with you? I have a couple quotes I like. One is from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. A, a, a man is like a piece of Labrador coal. If you hold it at one angle, you just see a black rock. But if you hold it at another angle, you see in something that's glistening, iridescent beauty. And people are like that. 
what you have to do is find the angle at which you function at your best. I love that. And yeah, I like, I've got a few quotes from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson that I, I love as well. I think I put one or two in my book. <laughs> What's one method or resource or something that you think is maybe not widely used or it's not used as efficiently as it could be. So it could be a, a resource that you use within your businesses and, and everything that you do. Is there anything that springs yeah. to mind? Yeah, social media. Most people, when they think about social media, they think about how many followers they have, how many likes they get, how many retweets they get. Mm -hmm. That's a top-down way of thinking about social media. But there's a bottom-up way of thinking about social media. That's how to tap the information that's there. So if, if you're on Twitter, you can reach hundreds or thousands or even hundreds of thousands of people, even though you only have 50 followers. And it's really simple how you do that. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can reach tens or hundreds of thousands of people, even though you don't have a lot of friends. And it's really just understanding the bottom up way of doing it. Uh, with Twitter, it's using hashtags. Think about how you can access information and connection using Twitter and, and Facebook and LinkedIn and what have you. Okay. Um, and from your network and, you know, vast experience and in interviewing a lot of people, um, this could be a tough question, but is there anyone who springs to mind that you think would be a great interview for, for the Awakening Your Alpha podcast having gone through the process yourself? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Giving me that one ahead of time to think about. Um, in terms of people who have really influenced my thinking about bottom-up, uh, one is Darshan Narvaez, who writes about uh, the neurobiology of the development of human morality. Okay. And she's the one who has 1,500 references describing these hundreds of genes. Uh, I learned an awful lot from her. Uh, another would be Fritjof Capra, who wrote the book, The System's View of Life. I really like that. He he. he became famous a long time ago for his book on the Tao of physics, tying together Eastern religion and modern physics. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're big think books. I mean, they're not, here's how to do this or how to yeah. do that, but they're going to really open you to thinking about the world in a very different way. Yeah. I know we've, you've mentioned a few books and sort of recommended throughout the show, but is there, if, you, if it's not one of them already mentioned, is there a book that was really impactful for you at any point in your life and career or one that you just kind of the top one that you like to recommend? It's, an, it's a kind of an obscure book, but it, it really affected me. It's, um, it's, it's got two different names. It was republished. It was pub published as uh, What It Is to Be Human or Original Wisdom by Robert Wolf. I think it's okay. W-O-L-F-F-E. And that book, it, it describes how he, when he was young, he became a psychologist, but he, he wasn't at the time. He, I think this was in Malaysia. There was a tribe, the Sinoi. They were the dream people. They lived in the forest, and every day they got together in this band, small tribe that they were in, and they would discuss the dreams that they had that night. And they would make their decisions on what to do that day based on the communal dreams. Whoa. It's such <laughs> a different kind yeah. of a culture. It really makes you think. 
And uh, that is one book that I, I've probably recommended more than any other book that I I've, love it. Yeah. Uh, cause that's great. Yeah. Cause a lot of times you get recommended books that, you know, uh, I've been recommended multiple times and that one, I really like the sound of that. And I've never heard of that before. So it's a good one. That'd be on the show notes as well. And I know you mentioned it before, but I'll put, just want to clarify again, what is the best way to connect to you if people want to continue this conversation? Cause this is just absolutely flown. I know we've gone on a little bit longer, but, um, brilliant and i i want to go and have that emphasize that positive experience at my boys sports day so uh, what's the best way people can connect okay so my my best website is robcall.com k-a-l-l um my 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 email is happier at gmail.com h-a-p-p-i-e-r at gmail. i remember that yeah because <laughs> from our emails back and forth he's an early google user <laughs> and the book the bottom-up revolution Mastering the Emerging World of Connectivity. I've got an advanced reading copy. Is this out now? I know it's coming yes. out. Yes, yeah, it came out two weeks ago uh, and it hit uh, bestseller status on Amazon the day it came out. Awesome, absolutely brilliant. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you, really appreciate it. Be awake in your alpha podcast. Live limitless. This episode is sponsored by the Talk Accelerator. If you've ever had any interest in getting on the TEDx stage and doing your own TEDx talk, or you're, you're curious about that, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com. There you can find out all the information about why you might want to do one, how you can do one, and also you can even book in on the green button your idea clarity call for a time to speak through your specific potential ideas and how that can help enhance your message and how you can give yourself the best chance of landing that on the TEDx stage. I hope to speak to some of you soon. Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. There's also a best-selling book available all over the world through Amazon. Please do check it out.